you know, baby steps, just baby steps. I mean, the first thing you got to do is talk to somebody and see if it's even feasible for you. And that even can be like, well, what if they say no? Well, so what? Then they say no, you know, but you got to start somewhere. You just got to take a step and see how it is. And I, I think that's, that's the key is that there is always going to be fear. Um, and that's probably a good thing. It shows us that we're stretching ourselves and we're trying something new and what's the worst that happens? You fail. Oh, well, you fail, you know? And again, you're in a situation like this. I feel like you're leveraging the bank's money. So it's not like you're buying a hundred thousand dollar house with a hundred thousand dollars that you have worked hard and saved all of your life for. And you have this hundred thousand dollars you put into this house. And then if something happens, you lose all of your life savings. But if you're just taking 20,000 to put down a pay, down payment on a hundred, now you own a hundred thousand dollar piece of property, but you only put in 20,000. You still don't want to lose your 20,000, but you know what I mean? Like it's not, it, it does kind of lessen the risk. So, um, but yeah, don't let the fear stop you. Just gotta, just gotta move anyway. Another day, another task. Think fast with a whole nother mission complete. Successfulish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions to see. I'm successfulish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieved. Successfulish. Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope with. Then I roll up my sleeve. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Successfulish. I'm Sarah Michelle, and I'm excited to introduce you today to my good friend, Veronica Lutzen. Veronica is a real estate agent and investor based in Connecticut. She has been a real estate investor since the age of 21, although she did not know it at the time. Buying a duplex at that time was the only way she could afford a house in the town that she wanted to raise her kids in. And years later, she read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and realized she was kind of already playing the game and that real estate investing was her retirement plan. She is a wife to one, mom to six, grandma to nine and a half. Okay, picking back up, Veronica Lutzen, take two, post dog interruption. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Successfulish. I'm Sarah Michelle, and today I'm excited to introduce you to my good friend, Veronica Ludson. Veronica is a real estate agent and investor based in Connecticut. She has been a real estate investor since the age of 21, although she didn't know it when she started. At the time, buying a duplex was the only way she could afford a house in the town that she wanted to raise her kids in. Years later, she read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and realized she was kind of already playing the game and that real estate investing was her retirement plan. She's a wife to mom, wife to one, excuse me, mom to six, and grandma to nine and one on the way, and her investments have paid off uh, in a way that makes her passionate about empowering others to start investing so that you can also enjoy a fun-filled home with your friends and family. So Veronica, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. So before we jump in and talk about real estate investing, what is something that you failed at this week? Well, it's only Tuesday, so hopefully not too much. Um, time management is definitely one of my goals and the thing that I struggle with um, being self-employed pretty much, you know, nobody's telling me what or when to do what I need to do. So it's all on me. So that's, that's my regular struggle. <laughs> That is a tough one. I think for anyone who manages themselves in a business to have to be your own boss, that is a whole separate learning curve. Absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit about your successful story. I know that you recently went out on your own in the world of real estate, which is super exciting. 
How did you get to where you're at? How did you get into this world of real estate? And what are the different pieces that make you, you? Uh, well, like you said, I kind of got into it, uh, not by mistake, but I didn't really realize what I was getting into at the beginning. I was young, um, always, I wanted to buy a house. And like you said, in the town that I grew up in the same school system, that's where I wanted my kids to go. Um, and yeah, the rental income from a duplex, it was actually the agent that I was working with at the time who suggested it. And so, you know, we were able to get into a house and, um, very shortly thereafter, my husband at the time decided he didn't want to play house anymore and he left. So I was so thankful that I had that rental income coming in to offset, you know, my mortgage for me, because now all of a sudden I was a single mom and I was a waitress part-time. So if I didn't have that, I probably would have lost my home. And, uh, you know, from that point on, like you said, I, I read some books and I kind of realized like, wow, this is really, you know, something I could take to the next level and then slowly, you know, purchased another duplex and, you know, just kind of went on from there. And now I own a few properties, um, nine units, total rental units. So, you know, one's a four family. I have a couple duplexes. So it definitely, um, it's been exciting and fun and challenging. You know, I mean, a lot of the stuff we've bought cheap and fixed up, um, to make more money and, you know, renovate and hold for renting. Uh, so that's kind of my game. I think that's awesome. And something that you and I have talked a lot about is sort of the accidental entrepreneur where you're already doing something, but you mm -hmm. don't realize it as an accomplishment because you're just doing what you need to do to survive. Yeah, what definitely. What process been like for you of just, going through motions that you needed to go through to be able to take care of yourself. And then the process of realizing, oh, actually, this is something that other people are trying to learn and going to school for. How has that, how has your personal life sort of evolved into your profession? Um, well, you know, accumulating more properties was a kind of just like baby steps, you know, it was, it, it hasn't been a fast thing for me. Every couple of years we bought something or we flipped something. Um, I tend to err on the side of, um, I'm not a super big risk taker. I like to make, you know, calculated decisions about things. Um, but once my kids grew up and nobody was living at home anymore, and I was still just a part-time waitress, I thought, I don't want to work more at the restaurant, but I, you know, what do I want to do now? I have extra time. So that's when I decided to get my real estate license. And instead of using realtors for my own purchases, I could be my own realtor. But then also, like you said, I have the opportunity now to help other people and get them excited about it because it is exciting to me. I mean, it's, it's a great way to invest. You know, basically someone else is paying for your investment and there's not many other ways that you can do that in life. Um, you know, you leverage the bank's money, you let your tenants pay your taxes, your insurance, your mortgage. It's just, it's kind of like, it just seems like it might be cheating. It's so easy. <laughs> I think that's one thing I'm really interested to hear and learn more about, because I think typically when we think real estate investing, at least for me, I picture like really fancy real estate tycoons with just millions of dollars, or I picture something that you watch on HGTV. And I think to hear someone who could say, no, I kind of just did it at 21 and it took care of myself. It just changes a whole perspective. And I think something that a lot of people don't realize is that real estate investing might be more attainable 
than we think it is. So I would love if you can walk us through the process a little bit of what does it mean to invest in real estate and how do we make money from that? Like if you were going to explain it to a kindergartner, how do we look at real estate investment? Um, well, you know, the kindergartner piece, I would say I have, you know, space in my house or I have an extra house and I'm going to let you live there and you're going to pay me. And that's, you know, kind of the kindergartner level. But, you know, for me, being young and it was my primary residence, it was my first time, I was a first time home buyer. So there are a lot of programs out there for first time home buyers. Some of them you can get into a property with no money down. And so it's such a great way to start by buying. My son did the same thing. I convinced his wife to go in on it, but they bought a duplex. They lived in one side for about four years. And then when they were ready, they bought a single family. Now they rent out both sides of that duplex and that money pays the whole duplex mortgage plus a significant amount towards their, their, um, their home. So, you know, it's a great thing you can build on, but also I have some buyers right now that are looking for a duplex and what they're doing, they already own their home. So they're taking out uh, a home equity line of credit based on their home that they have. And they're using that money to put down as a down payment on a duplex. Actually, they're looking at a three family right now. But so, you know, there's just a lot of different ways to start, but then there's also ways to move forward. Um, we just recently renovated some of our apartments and now we can get more money for rent because, you know, the market has changed and rents have gone up. So some upgrades, a little bit of renovation, and you're in, a, in another price point for your rentals. So, um, and then obviously as you pay down your mortgages and eventually have no mortgage, then all that money coming in is coming into your pocket minus your taxes and insurance, of course, but, um, and refinancing, you know, I've refinanced my properties at times and taking some cash out to put down on another property or to renovate a property. So again, it's just, it's really, you know, equity and leveraging the bank's money and you should be able to get away with doing it without a tremendous amount of money out of pocket. So one aspect that I think is really interesting is that there's an aspect of you sort of taking control of your own future and putting yourself in a situation to empower yourself but then there's the other piece of it that tends to be the piece that scares me away from real estate investing is that dependency on tenants. And that's something for me that scares me from wanting to invest in real estate, because what if you're now in a situation where a tenant bails and doesn't pay and now you're stuck with double the mortgage you can't pay or um, what if you have a tenant who is reckless and destroys the property and you have to fix that? And I think that that is an aspect that comes along as a possibility of risk. But how do you balance that in terms of creating these investments so that you're really taking care of yourself and your family without being totally contingently dependent on the tenants that you're renting to? Um. Well, you know, obviously, so like if you had bought a, a single family house and you rented it out, your margin of profit is going to be less. If you have a two family house, now you have two rents, more than likely one is going to almost cover your mortgage. And then the other one is going to be, you know, bonus. So then you move up to a three. And again, there's even more of that buffer. Um, but definitely, definitely screening your tenants, doing background checks. Um, I've definitely learned the hard way and I've 
had to evict tenants. It's, you know, I've been doing this for 25 years ish now or something like that. And, uh, I've definitely learned a lot of lessons the hard way. So I would say that is huge, huge is to screen your tenants and, um, you know, get as much, I won't even rent to someone if they've ever been evicted and it's public record. So you can find out easily if someone's ever been evicted. And if they have at this point, no thanks. Um, but yeah, that's, it is, it is a little bit risky, but I mean, anything's, anything's risky, you know, even putting your money in the stock market with that, you don't know what's happening with it. You basically trust the guy you give your money to hope he does a good job and you can't touch it. You can't drive by it. You can't do any of that. You know, I mean, with tenants, um, another thing I would say too, is like, don't be friends with your tenants. You're the landlord, they're the tenant. And when you start to be too friendly with them, I feel like it makes them feel like they can come to you with their sad stories about what their car broke down and their this and that. And it's like, you know, you got to keep the line pretty, pretty clear, cut and dry. And, um, I'm, I'm kind and I will work with my tenants if they have issues. I understand that life happens, but, um, yeah, those are some of the things I would definitely say it's the, the tenant landlord relationship and, um, yeah, do your due diligence and make sure that people are decent, you know? Yeah. And I I think that's really solid advice on both sides in terms of having boundaries in the relationship for, from your side of things, if you're renting things out, you know, it, it protects you from having to feel like a jerk when you're listening to the very real sad stories. But even from the renter's perspective, I've been on the other side where I've had landlords that want to be friends and want to have me over for dinner and want to hang out. And it's difficult because then what happens if you really need a renovation or you need something fixed in the apartment and now they're like, oh, we're buddies. Like I can blow you off, you know, yeah. I don't have to fix this for you. I don't have to take care of this maintenance problem. Like we'll just put some duct tape on it and call it good. So I think yeah. that is really important to have those boundaries and to put those things in the lease as well. And not, and it's, you know, it's ultimately, it's a business, right? So even in business, it's good to kind of keep the lines clear. Yeah. So from the business standpoint, how much time do you put in as a real estate investor? Is that something that you can do with a full-time job? Is that a full-time job? What kind of time expectations are involved in terms of renting out a property to someone? Um, I mean, once you have the property and you have the tenant in place, I would say very minimal amount of interaction. You know, I definitely pick up rent from my tenants, which is another thing, you know, that I suggest go to the property at least once a month. I don't always go inside, but sometimes I do. And it's just a good way to keep an eye on it. Um, other than that, I mean, if something happens and you get an emergency call, but honestly, that doesn't happen to me very often. And like I said, a lot of time, most of our properties we bought in, in a certain state and then we fixed them up. So we've done the major things and know that the systems in place are working well. And usually we don't get a lot of, you know, 10 o'clock at night phone calls, like something is broken. So. Yeah. And I, I know that you and your husband have done a lot of home flipping. What are some differences or similarities when you're looking at buying a home for yourself versus, you know, that you're buying a home to turn around and rent to someone else? Do you approach it the same way? Do you look at it differently? How do you approach those two situations differently? Well, honestly, it's not that different because the, my husband and I, we always look at a property and say, would we live here? This is something we're going to own. If we ever had to make some changes and we had to move into one of our places, would we live there? 
Plus, I think that if we wouldn't live there, why wouldn't we? And what kind of tenant is going to be attracted to that property? So, you know, it's it's pretty much similar. I mean, I don't I wouldn't necessarily want to live in a multifamily house at this point in my life, but I want to know that it's in a decent neighborhood and that it's got off street parking and just, you know what I mean? Things like that. I definitely feel like I look at it as would I live here always. I love that. I think that's an important quality too. I know the first apartment that I ever rented in my early twenties, I loved it. It was super cute, um, but probably hadn't really been updated since the fifties or sixties and things were falling apart. Um, the bathtub was slowly sinking into the next floor. The sink oh. was chipping away and the landlady, her son was the one who did all the maintenance. And every time I would call about something, her son would convince the mom, well, if we redo it, we'll lose the character of the place. And then I went to her house one time, she invited me over for dinner and I was looking around and she has all the modern appliances, modern everything. And I kind of asked about it and she's like, well, yeah, at some point you have to have things that work. (sighs) This moment of, yeah, things that work are great. That's a good idea to update and modernized. So I think that is really important that at least the way I see it, having that relationship, it's almost like, it's almost like dating. Like you have to make sure that you feel comfortable with that person being in your life in some aspect for an extended amount of time. Does this person seem like they're responsible? Are they caring about me the way that they care about their self? There's all kinds of those things to think about. Yeah. And honestly, I have about maybe three times ever I have rented to someone that I knew and I chose to do it based on the fact that I did know them well. I knew that they had been at their job for a long time. They were hard workers and they paid their rent. They were clean. So, you know what I mean? That sometimes it's okay, but you got to know, like you said, how, how do, how well do you know this person? (laughs) Because you are entering into this agreement and this, you're giving them this property and we always fix up and you know, paint and new carpet or whatever we need to do for a place. And we present it as a nice new apartment and you want to get it back that way. (laughs) Pretty much at the end, you want them to return it to you pretty much the way you gave it to them. So, you know, it's a little risky, but it's, like I said, you just, hopefully people learn from what I say and don't have to learn the hard way like I did because just screening your tenants is really, really important for sure. I would say if there's any possible way that you could go to their current um, house or location to sign a lease and see how they live now, that would be awesome, you know, but. How much cushion do you suggest having for someone to be a real estate investor? Do you would you recommend that someone has the money out of pocket if need be, or they have a couple months worth what is the the cushion that you would recommend for someone being able to make this investment in a smarter way? I would say a couple months of rent or a couple months of your mortgage or your whatever the bills are. You know, if you have to pay sewer, if you have to, you know, my um, taxes and insurance are escrowed into my mortgage. So, but I would say for your total expenses, a few months would be good. Um, maybe if you work a lot and you would have to hire someone to do everything that you might want a little more. And my husband and I pretty much do the renovations and the upkeep on our places ourselves. So I always tell people, you know, when somebody moves out, maybe they're there a year, they move out. The most we've ever probably had to put in was maybe 40 hours, painting, cleaning, fixing some stuff. 
and you know it's not that we do it in one week but over the course of maybe a month we can usually have a place up and running and ready to rent and then you advertise you know so it takes a little while but turnover maybe is like two months total from the time somebody moves out until we're ready to have a new tenant move in and um, so you know you always want to have I would say three or four months plus you know if you know that the you know the furnaces are good and the appliances and certain more major things are good but if they're if they're on the edge you might want to have a little extra money too in case the furnace goes you don't want to be caught off guard by that but I haven't always been that prepared. I mean, there's definitely been times when I'm using a credit card and then making payments on that credit card because you got to do what you got to do. You got to, if somebody needs a stove, you got to replace it and you can't wait, you know? So not like a specific, not, not a definitive answer to that, but I would say the more you can have in your cushion, the better. Yeah. What are some common mistakes or oops that people make when investing in real estate? What are some things that you've learned along the way? Well, obviously the tenant, you know, the tenant thing is the biggest part. Um, what else have I learned? I think, you know, just really what I said, I look at things as would I live here um, and, and just screening the tenants is I've, I've learned a lot of hard lessons that way. I've had to evict people and it's never fun, but those would be the two biggest things. Awesome. What would you recommend for someone to get started? If someone wanted to start looking at real estate as an investment, what's one place that they should start thinking about this? Um, well, you got to look at your finances first, obviously, you know, and you got to find out what your what your power of purchasing is, what you need to talk to a lender, uh, what kind of loan you can get and for how much. Um, and obviously, whatever the, the market is, you know, you can kind of figure it out from there. I mean, and again, it depends what you're doing. Are you going to be living in it and, you know, then renting out one side or living in it and renting out two units? Or is it going to be you already have a house and you now want to buy something that, you know, because if you're just buying it as an investment and you're not living in it, you usually are going to need to have like 20% down uh, to get started because that's the kind of loan that you get. If you're going to be living in it, you can do sometimes no money down or like three and a half percent down. So it definitely all those little pieces is part of the puzzle that you figure out, you know, where, where your buying power is, where you can start with. So I'm kind of curious, because I know that part of what we talk about on this podcast is how all the different pieces come together. And I know that this is something that you do with your husband. So how has flipping homes and renovating and investing, how has that changed the dynamics of your relationship? How do you guys find those boundaries between being a work team together, being a couple together, keeping the, I mean, I've only done a couple home renovations, um, but I've yet to see one that doesn't come with some unexpected hustles. Right. So how do you balance that and keep the love? Oh gosh. I don't know. I mean, we definitely work together. We're together all the time where we are together all the time. Um, we're, we're friends. I mean, it's not always easy for sure. We've had many or huge blowout fights in the middle of a renovation. I will say this though, when my husband and I got together 20, 20 years ago, he didn't know how to do anything. And our dads, you know, I already had this duplex when he came, you know, in my house, when he came to live with me. And so 
the first time the apartment was empty and, you know, his dad, my dad were coming over helping and he was learning. And I was always like, you can do it. Like you can figure it out. And now 20 years later, he says all the time, like, if it wasn't for me pushing him, he wouldn't be able to do half the stuff he does. But, you know, I mean, we put in flooring and we, you know, changed fixtures and bathrooms and put in cabinets. And, you know, I mean, he, a lot of times watches YouTube videos if he's not sure how to do something. Um, and yeah, sometimes there's fighting involved, but we figure it out and it's a great sense of accomplishment afterwards to see this thing that we have created basically, or, you know, I mean, cause you take something ugly and you turn it into something nice and something pretty and it's, it makes you feel good. So the, the process is hard, but the reward is good. So I think that it, I guess that's what makes up for it, you know, and I'm a good encourager. He, I'm a good helper. And, uh, I don't know. I know how to deal with him. We know how to deal with each other, I guess. Yeah. I, I think the home renovating also is a really good metaphor for just accepting all the different moods that come with any given event. And I know growing up, my family did a few renovations and I have memories of these being mostly fun. Um, I do remember being a teenager and being allowed to stay in the room when they were doing some kind of renovation. And saying, I thought that we couldn't be in here because the fumes were toxic. And my mom saying, oh, well, the toxic fumes were coming out of your father's mouth. You're old enough now. <laughs> well, it is a lot more challenging to renovate a place that you're living in. Yeah. Living there at the same time, that's definitely more challenging. We redid a bathroom in our house and it was the main bathroom. And this was when our six kids were all living at home. So we had to like basically farm out the kids for the weekend and know that we had to get this bathroom mostly done in that weekend. So that was a lot more stressful when you have a place and it's empty, there's no furniture, there's nothing you can just, it's a lot easier to paint. It's a lot easier to do all of that, you know, and you can walk away and go home and then come back the next day fresh. So there is a difference between renovating your own home and renovating another place. Yeah, I, I think that I see a lot of parallels even to running a business. It's sort of that idea of if you're living in it, you want to get it done as quickly as possible, but that's not, you don't always have capacity in your finances or your time to get it done overnight. You kind of have to wait it out. You have to take the time to do it the right way to be yeah. able to enjoy it. And how how do you guys balance that in terms of, Fighting that urge to just impatiently get it done as quickly as possible, but switching that mindset to, no, we want to do this right because you don't want to have to go redo it again. How do you weigh those decisions? Well, I mean, we usually have to do it, you know, with a quickness for the most part, because we need that money coming in. So whatever it is, I mean, we, uh, the last flip that we did took us about nine months. Um, we, I was working part-time at, at, a, at a restaurant then my husband works too. So, you know, it was like trying to be most effective or efficient with our time and going there for an extended period of time, not just two hours or three hours. Cause you can't really do a lot. So it was like, okay, we're not going to go tonight because we're going to go Saturday early in the morning and we're going to stay there until, you know, it's dark or whatever. So Again, it's that whole time management piece, I guess. You want to be um, efficient and, you know, because the running back and forth can just become such an annoying thing. You just really want to make sure that you're able to get 
start and finish or get to a certain point in the project and then, you know, be able to, again, just like shut it down for the day and come back fresh the next day or the next time you have the opportunity to come and being, you know, already set up and ready to hit the ground running. Yeah. What is something that you would say to someone who is afraid to get started? How would you encourage someone or I guess just encourage someone to embrace the process? Well, I think there's always going to be some fear. And like I said, I lean more toward, you know, I don't, I'm not a super big risk taker, but there's always risk involved in anything that we do in life. And it's about, you know, courage isn't about not being afraid. It's about going forward, even though you're afraid. Right. And, you know, baby steps, just baby steps. I mean, the first thing you got to do is talk to somebody and see if it's even feasible for you. And that even can be like, well, what if they say no? Well, so what? Then they say no, you know, but you got to start somewhere. You just got to take a step and see how it is. And I I think that's, that's the key is that there is always going to be fear. Um, And that's probably a good thing. It shows us that we're stretching ourselves and we're trying something new. And what's the worst that happens? You fail. Oh, well, you fail, you know? And again, you're in a situation like this. I feel like you're leveraging the bank's money. So it's not like you're buying a $100,000 house with $100,000 that you have worked hard and saved all of your life for. And you have this $100,000, you put it into this house. And then if something happens, you lose all of your life savings. But if you're just taking 20,000 to put down a down payment on a hundred, now you own a $100,000 piece of property, but you only put in 20,000. You still don't want to lose your 20,000, but you know what I mean? Like it's not, it, it does kind of lessen the risk. So, um, but yeah, don't let the fear stop you. Just gotta, just gotta move anyway. Yeah. I love that. And I I know that's something that we've talked a lot about just that educated action of sometimes I think we overthink ourselves out of making decisions and out of our successes. And we, we spend so much time planning and thinking about the what ifs. And for most of us, the what ifs are negative. What if this goes wrong? What if this fails? rather than what if this goes really well? What if this is really successful? And I think to your point of being put in a position where you have to do that at 21, and I I can think about things in my life where I just had to do it, it's almost like you're moving so quickly that it you're already halfway through it before you can look back and say, oh, that was that was a lot. I don't know that I would have done it if I had thought about it and understood it, but I think sometimes it ends up being a blessing that we don't know all the things because absolutely yes I agree and that is true for me is stepping out not necessarily in the beginning it didn't feel like it was the choice I made I wasn't choosing to be a landlord I was choosing to buy a house and that other piece was there too but yeah it just kind of you're right if we think about it too much before we take a step we can talk ourselves out of it Whereas when we're doing what we have to do to survive, we don't give ourselves room to make excuses. We have to do it. So we just do. But How has being an investor changed the way or impacted the way that you look at the rest of your life? How has it shaped your worldview or the way that you approach decision-making and other aspects? Um, I guess that... That basic, you know, there's always risk, but we got to move forward and anything in life, it applies, you know, um, 
I definitely, I'm not sure if this is answering your question, but one of the things I love about it is, you know, financial freedom is about being able to do what I want with my time. And so I think that that's what I love about this is that I, it's part-time involvement. You know, I don't work on places all the time, but I'm getting that money and it, it just makes it so that I could work part-time at the restaurant. Now I am the real estate agent, which is a, you know, it ebbs and flows. It's not like I'm making X amount of money every week. So having my rental income is definitely um, a cushion for me. It's definitely a, um, it just, it's like the foundation of my finances, I guess. And it's great. I love it. Awesome. Well, Veronica, thank you so much for sharing your story and your expertise. And I'm always so challenged and inspired every time we hang out, um, particularly because you have a way of listing off all these amazing things that you've done and just, I don't know, I just did it like it's nothing. And I just think that that's such an encouragement um, to any of us to realize there's a lot more we're capable of if we just show up and do the damn thing. So thank you for your time and expertise. Um, If you are listening and have questions about real estate investing or thoughts, um, we would love to hear from you. Shoot us an email at embracetheish at gmail.com or hang out with us online at successfulish.com or Facebook, Instagram, Embrace the Ish. Success and failure, none of opposite ends. Curveball hits, gotta know where to bend. The attitude will affect destination. Interview determines when you're gonna make it. Live between successes, makes life rich. Live in every moment, successfulish. Live between successes, makes life rich. Live in every moment, successfulish. Hey, successfulish. Another day, another task. Think fast with a whole nother mission complete. I'm successfulish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions to see. I'm successfulish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve. Successfulish. Lose a stack, get it back. Reinvest hope wait that I roll up my sleeve Successfulish Another day, another task Think fast with a whole nother mission complete Successfulish Pick up the weight, press on And act on the visions of see Successfulish Sit back and bask in the glory Of all the goals I achieve Successfulish Lose a stack, get it back Reinvest hope wait that I roll up my sleeve hey. All this weight on my arms Need both flex In this race, but behind me Most steps Had to show the learning curve Hope I don't crash Hit your nerves when reserves Got low cash When I fail, realize that it won't last You made it through in the past Just Look back, successfulish, you can see how the contrast fires and wins use the past and the bounce back. You can never win if you're never going to do it. Failure is a hard road, rarely ever cruising. Embracing all my wins with a handful of losing. Expect the drought season when the plan's going fluent. I can never really feel it's all how you view it. It's all a lesson, just depends how you use it. Get all the data and keep it all exclusive. Never ending journey in the growth is therapeutic. My identity is not in what you see, I am the better me. Mistakes others make, I see. Have a teacher me. Compare yourself to others is an insult to tragedy. We will make unique, gotta use again collectively. Broke down my goals in a few little Toastum. Can't take them back because you already spoke them. Easily regressive, you don't stay focused. Focus, live between success and your moments. Successfully, another day, another task. Think fast with a whole nother mission complete. I'm successfulish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions of see. I'm successfully. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve. Successfulish. Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope wait that I roll up my sleeve. I'm successfulish. Another day, another task. Think fast with a whole nother mission complete. Successfulish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions of See, I'm successfulish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieved. Successfully. Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope wait, then I roll up my sleeve.